0: Do our uh, housekeeping announcements real quick. I hate these, but uh, we bumped our grand opening celebration back to September 19th. So, two weeks from today, we want to see how many people we can fit in this building. Uh, So, that's September 19th. That means by the time we get there, a couple items we want to have taken care of. Number one, we got one more classroom just set up, it's already built, it's just got to be organized, uh, and we may need to buy one more computer. Uh, and then we also need teachers that are set up in those rooms. Shelly's got a list of you guys who have volunteered to help us with that. Uh, so by the time we get to September 19th, two weeks from today, and we say that all those rooms are open, then we need a commitment to keep them open. Uh, so it's kind of a step in that direction. September 19th, so think about your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. Let's see how many people this building can hold. 1st of October, uh, I got Buddy working on this. Uh, We're going to relaunch our DNA groups uh, so we can get people together uh, discussing the scriptures and applying it to one another's lives. So that's coming. Uh, You'll have those opportunities in October. Uh, If you've been with us for very long, uh, pre-COVID, let's go with that. So some of you guys are pre-COVID. Some of you uh, found us in the middle of it, Uh, but... Before that, we had a rhythm uh, of doing what we call missional community. All it is, you're throwing a party. Uh, You're hosting, uh, you're showing hospitality for the church and maybe for your neighbors. Uh, Mark and Whitney, they kind of hit a a, a stride of doing a, is it an end of school or back to school? End of school? Um, End of school slip and slide party where they invite the whole church and the whole neighborhood. Um, So what these are intended to do is to allow people that uh, live and work around you to experience the church uh, in a different context uh, other than in here, right? Because a lot of our friends and family and coworkers are never going to make this their first step. Uh, It's kind of how we met Chad uh, having a party uh, for a Super Bowl, right? So that's it. It's really simple. It's you saying... Uh, I think this fits my context, and you get to be creative, and you get to say, uh, I think this is what I would want to host. We want one family hosting one community event each month. We're going to kick those back off in October, and we have a middle school group that's going to relaunch itself at the end of September, 1st of October as well. So that's all of that. Did I miss anything, Dave? Is that it? Anything else you want to say? (laughs) Happy to find happy you are here, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to use Dave's baptism picture because we're doing baptism this morning. Some of you are here for that. Thank you for supporting uh, justice and that. Also, I have a little letter here that says, thank you from Caldwell Elementary. We dropped them off 100 water bottles uh, this week because they have trying to keep kids away from water fountains uh, during COVID, and um, they didn't know how to do that other than Uh, Jessica was like hey our church will buy water bottles and bring them to you and uh, she wasn't lying we brought water bottles a hundred of them so that kids that aren't bringing bottles uh, can stay safe and healthy at Caldwell Elementary that's what we do so she almost believes me the counselor at school almost believes me that when she calls we will help she almost believes me now so uh, why do I have a guy with fingers in his ears Uh, Because that's the way Brett usually goes through my sermons, right? It's just like, I don't want to hear you. Um, No, I did that because most of us tune people or ideas, tune out people or ideas that we disagree with. Most of us tune out people or ideas that we disagree with. I'm not asking you if you agree with me. I'm asking, why do you think that happens? Like, why, when, when there's a person or idea that we disagree with. Why do you think we tune that out? Conflict. To avoid it? The avoidance of conflicts. So I'm just going to put a question mark. that stands for why. Tony says conflict. Some of us don't like now some people do like conflict. <laughs> and when strange thing is, that doesn't mean they actually tune in. It, it just means they argue. <laughs> uh, they still may tune it out. But uh, so for the sake of conflict, maybe we tune people out that we disagree with. What else? Ah, uh, yes. Avoid being wrong. What, Chad? Chad doesn't have that concern. That bone doesn't reside in his body, does it? Uh, So what else? What else? Avoid being wrong. It's a good one. Hmm? Ah, yeah. We don't want to personally have to change anything. Avoid change. We don't want to change our mind, our clothes, our underwear, nothing. Uh, Just seeing if you're listening, Chad. Seeing if you're listening. Uh, Because change is not desirable for most of us most of the time. Anything else? Uh, I got one that I want to throw in here. Fear of the unknown. If we disagree, we're getting into uncharted territory. Uh, We get fearful of that. uh, Not knowing what's on the other side of this person's perspective um, or idea. Um, And y'all kind of hit on the other one I had. I had self-preservation and comfort, uh, but I think that goes into change and some of the other things you already said. Uh, So it's always been this way, right? I know Facebook and every other social media maybe amplified this, but it's always been this way. Um, But here's what I want to turn our conversation this morning. You are here today no matter why you think you're here, you're here today because either you or someone, you, uh, someone in your family moved past these excuses and considered Jesus for the first time. Okay? That's why you're here today, because either you or somebody in your family moved past the excuses in order to consider Jesus for the first time, despite whatever disagreements you had concerning him, okay? Um, Follow-up question is this, I know for a fact that your faith uh, and the church hold value in your life, why do I say I know that? Because you're here, (laughs) you gave up your Sunday morning to be with us, to be together, so either your faith or the church or both hold value in your life. That's why um, that's why you're here. That's why you've invested financially. You've invested with your time and your talents. And I mean, we're 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 in this facility because you value it and you've helped move ahead as a church. So the question is for you: What is what is it that you value? What is the value that keeps you engaged in the church? What is it that you? appreciate and, and and the reason that you continue to be a part of this family. All right? What value does your faith in the church hold in your life? There you go. Daily encouragement. Okay, what else? That was the first one I had, so we're, we're one. Support. support, yeah, Where two or three are gathered. Um, three strands are stronger than one, right? We're, we're stronger together, we support and encourage. Uh, scriptures say that we are to celebrate with those who celebrate, mourn with those who mourn, laugh with those who laugh. There's just something about it when we're together and, and, and we're doing these things, right? Anything else? What is the value of your faith and or, or the church that keeps you engaged? Okay. Positivity. The world is defeated. Like everything's falling apart. But the church, if we do this well, <laughs> uh, it's, it's not like blind optimism. It's faith in the victory that comes through Jesus. And when the world is woe is me and everything's wrong... Yeah, it's it's valuable to have a group of people that have their eyes set on something better. Man, that's that's good stuff. Anything else? I would say community. I said that too. So so we're (laughs) community. It's just good not to be alone, isn't it? And to have community community comes through common ground that's where the word commune that means we're communing around a central thing whether that's where you live whether that's your city whether that's your job or whether that's our faith we come together with the central piece being jesus right and that gives us a family anything else There's value in worshiping together. Yeah. Every every one of you knows somebody that says, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't go to church. I don't have to go to church to worship God. I do that in the deer woods. Yeah, that's true, but there's something unique about the gathering of the people of God that you can't experience in isolation, right? That's what heaven is. (laughs) Like, so... To avoid that on earth is you're shortchanging yourself there's value in that. So here, here's, here's the, the problem I present to you today. It's natural and it's actually biblical that when you find value in Jesus and his church uh, that you start wanting others that are in your life to experience the same thing, right? That's that's a this is not me standing up saying you need to invite people. This is saying it's really natural that when you consider the value that Jesus and his church has and adds to your life, and then you look around your life, you're like, Man, I wish somebody else, like, I wish my neighbor would would be able to have this value in their life. I wish my parents would be able to have this value in their life. I wish my best friend could have the same value added to their life. It's a natural thing, and actually it's a biblical thing. Um, But most, because most of us tune out people or ideas that we disagree with, those other people in your life don't care. Right? Because we tune each other out when we disagree. Dave's like, Man, I got this I got this friend. We've been friends since childhood and I'm just making up a story. No, you're down, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I I went to church a couple of weeks ago okay. and then he, he said no. Yeah. And Dave does that because Dave, like, found Jesus. He's got this relationship with Jesus. Now the relationship with Jesus' people. And he's like, man, I got people that don't understand the value that I've discovered. And I long for them to have that. And now I'm going to invite them. I'm going to encourage them. And they say no. Why? Because we tune people out that disagree with us. It's like, Dave, that's good for you, but leave me alone. Yeah, it's basically what he's talking like I've seen this before. So the question this morning is this, what do we do? What do we do? Okay, I hope we can identify a little direction this morning. There's an author called Joe McCormick. He says this, if you think you're not being heard, the natural reaction is to keep talking. (laughs) If you think they're not hearing you, the natural reaction is to keep talking. The problem is the more you say, the less likely they are to hear you out. Right? If you think, if I don't think you're listening, I'm going to say it more. Problem is the more I say. This is why Shelley looks at me and says, why don't the kids listen? I told myself well, I wasn't going to use you as an illustration in this, but it's too perfect. And I'm like, you use so many words. They don't want to hear what you're saying, so saying it again is not going to help. Right? But that's our natural reaction to when we think somebody's not listening to us. I think Joe's right. And I think the church is a prime example. The church, although the church makes a tremendous amount of noise, it's very seldom heard. And I'm not talking about just our church. I'm saying Jesus' church can be really noisy in the city. We can be really noisy on Facebook. We're really noisy in our neighborhoods. But despite all the noise, it just seems like it's very seldom listened to or heard. Okay? Um, Even though the message that the church holds is good news for your friend, it's good news for your neighbor, the message we have is the best news the world has ever received or been told, but those you love typically tune you out. That's the norm. I think Acts 4, we're in, we've made it all the way to chapter 4 in our series here, and I think Acts chapter 4 gives us an example that's going to be more helpful than more talking when no one's listening, okay? So we can either just keep talking, say, man, if I just say it again, they'll listen, or we can look at Acts chapter 4 and see if there's something else that maybe we could consider. This morning, so let's do that. Uh, So, Acts chapter four. We're going to read the first section. Bear with me. Um, I think it's profitable for us to read the first twenty-one chapters. I mean, twenty-one verses, not chapters. Man, y'all just make yourself comfortable. Uh, We were supposed to have new chairs delivered this week. You, I could have read twenty-one chapters in those chairs, and you wouldn't have cared. The driver pulled up and said, "I'm here with your chairs." So I left the job site and started driving down here, and the driver called me back and said, I opened the truck. Your chairs aren't in the truck. <laughs> I'll call you back. <laughs> I hadn't heard back yet. So I would have read 21 chapters if they'd have showed up because you're going to like the chairs. <laughs> but in our hardback chairs. Let's go with 21 verses. Acts chapter 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, let me give you a really brief recap. Uh, Last week we encountered in chapter 3 There was a lame man who was lame from birth Strategically sat outside the temple every day At the time of prayer so he could beg for money Uh, Peter and John say, we don't have any money But we're going to give you Jesus And the man is healed He stands and he goes walking and leaping And praising God And he sticks himself on the arm of Peter and John Goes with them into the temple And prays and celebrates And now uh, everybody's looking Because this man that they know is lame Now he's well and Peter uses this opportunity to point everybody to Jesus. He's like, why do you think we're so cool? This man was made well by the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's where we're at, chapter 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. Those are just all the religious leaders in that context. The leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded... By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you know how he was healed? Let me clearly state it to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified... But whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says this. The stone that the you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and we have heard. So I know that's a lot, but I think it's helpful. I want to pray, and then we're going to see um, what God would tell us from that text. Father, thank you for uh, inspiring Luke to write this down so that we may have an accurate um, retelling of the events of your church, how this thing uh, started and how it spread. Um, And Father, there are some things that I think would be helpful for us to, uh, to see about how you grew your church through these men. And, and I pray that whatever we need to see, we would see, and however we need to live it out, that we would be faithful. So help us, Holy Spirit, to discern these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The New Living Translation, that's the one I'm reading from. There's umpteen translations This is the one I enjoy reading to you. Uh, It uses the word propaganda. It uses the word propaganda to describe how these guys viewed Peter and John's message. So what is propaganda? It's just a misleading information with an agenda, right? It's like you're presenting something because you have an agenda, like just keep your propaganda to yourself. That's how they viewed Peter and John's uh, message. So what I'm about to say is not political in any form or fashion, okay? But I walked by a storefront the other day. They're down that way. Um, and it's a, it's a political storefront, right? So it, it's one of the, the offices for the political groups downtown, both of them are represented down here. Um, but I walked by it, and they had, they had little sandwich board signs sitting in their front windows. And the messages in the window say this, everyone is welcome, all people are accepted here. Everyone's welcome, and all people are accepted here. Nothing wrong with the statement, right? Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. As I walked by and as I read that in that window, there was a feeling that kind of rose up in me because I perceived that the messaging was misleading for the purpose of just gaining approval, okay? This could have been seen in any window. This is not, Josh is making a statement, but I felt that it was propaganda. It's misleading because you're just wanting people to approve of you. Right? You want you want to you have an agenda, and so therefore, let's throw this message out so that we can work our agenda. That's what it felt like when I read that. Okay? So let me transition that. If we placed the exact same messages in our windows, everyone's welcome, all people are accepted here. Let's go through that real quick. There'd be two groups of people. There'd be two groups of people. Uh, Half of the city would assume that city church thinks they're better than every other church and that every other church is not accepting. Half the people in the city would think that's our mentality. Well, they just think they're the most accepting people and everybody else is religious church people, right? Half the city would think that. The other half of the city would think it was trying to mislead so we could get people in the door. Both groups, the entire city would think it was propaganda. Nobody would buy into it, right? There would not be anybody in the city that said, praise Jesus, finally, the church for me. Half the city would say, they think they're better. The other half of the city would say, they're trying to trick me. The only people in this city that may not think those messages in our window are propaganda or those of you sitting in this room that feel like an unexpected reception from our church. It's like, man, these people legitimately received me and accepted me in a way that I did not anticipate. So you 15 people are the only ones in the whole city that would see that message and be like, that's so true. Everybody else would think it's propaganda. For you, what's the difference? What's the difference between the 15 people and the rest of the city? For you, who have this unexpected welcoming, it's the pairing of two things. It's the pairing of two things. Words and works that create a unique perception for you. It's the pairing of the words that are being said and the works that you have experienced that changes your perception of that message. Um, This will not be true for everyone in our city, but it will be true for someone, okay? The reason I thought that was propaganda is because I don't know anybody in their office. (laughs) I, I, I don't know their character, their heartbeat, their their works, I, I don't know anything. So you just assume. But if we had the message, those of you that have received that type of reception from this church, you'd be like, that's legit, that's true. But it's a mixture of words and works that would cause you to believe that. So here's the deal. Peter and John, having been used to heal this handicapped man, They used that opportunity when all eyes were on them. They used the opportunity to point everybody to Jesus. And they offended some people when they began to talk about a resurrection. They began to offend people when they talked about the potential of a resurrection. There was one idea presented that this group of people disagreed with, so they tuned out everything else they said. Isn't that funny? how that still happens today. Like the Sadducee group, there's two religious groups in the New Testament, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees, they would attract with this conversation because they believed that there was going to be a future resurrection, that God was going to raise the dead to come be with him. But the Sadducees said, no, that's impossible. It's never going to happen. So when they said Jesus is the first one, the first fruits of the resurrection and all who trust in him will become with them and go along with him too. They're like, I don't want to hear what you're saying because that one thing. That one thing. So everything else you say is mute. And that's what happened. When they were brought in for questioning or maybe more realistically harassment, Peter, what did he ask them? He said, Did you like bring us in here to question us because we did a a good deed for a crippled man? Are you kidding me? Like, this man was healed. And now you're harassing him. Is that why I'm here? The, here we go, here we go. When the words that Peter said were offensive, And caused everyone to quit listening. The works that Peter did kept him in the game. Okay? It was the works that he did that kept him in the game. Um, The conclusion, the conclusion of the men was, we don't like your words But we can't deny the work you've done. Like Peter, what you're saying, it's propaganda. It's evil. You have an agenda. We don't want to hear it. We disagree with it. We're not listening to anything else you say. But we can't deny that man who's on your arm that we've seen laying at the temple gate for 40 years. I don't like your words, but because of your works... That we can't deny, he's still in it. So, as I read this, I I thought there may be a time to stop using so many words and get to work. Like, as the church, as the people of God, um, when you think nobody's listening, and your natural inclination is to use more words so they can't avoid me, there may be a time just to shut up and to get to work in the city. Right? Um, This is the reason that we delivered 100 water bottles to Caldwell. That's why. This is the reason I reside over the downtown partnership. You think i do that because I needed one more thing on my resume? No. Uh, This is the reason uh, Stephen and the guys have provided live music for Third Thursday. It's not because they want a gig so they can go play somewhere. It's because there was a void in the festival, so we wanted to fill the void so the festival was better. Instead of street preaching, we just decided to set the band up on the sidewalk. This is why we uncover an old mural on the side of our building. You know what the number one thing talked about in Saline County was this week? It was that mural. My name almost went viral on Facebook this week just because people love the freaking mural. Like I screenshotted a... Deal, and I send it to Shelly Poole, the lady that writes my Celine down here. I'm like, I've never had my name mentioned so many times on Facebook. They're like, Josh Robertson, thank you for uncovering the mural. Thank you for preserving history. Thank you for doing this. Like, I think it's cool, but I don't give a flip, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's cool, but the reason we uncover it is because our city values it. We're doing things. We're, we're doing a work in the city that, that people are going to be able to recognize and see, and it, it becomes tangible. This is, this is why we spend more money to shop at our local shops downtown. We can buy soap anywhere, can't we? But then Shelly comes out of Salt Soap, and she's like, I just spent $100 on soap. That's why we do it, though. That's why we do it. Let me say this. None Of these things, not one of them is the thing. Not one of them is going to save a single soul. I don't care how much soap I buy, buying soap and uncovering murals is not going to save one person from the cost of sin. The wages of sin is death. Not one of those things is going to bring somebody back to life. It's like Peter said there is salvation in. No one else. There is only one name. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. What is that name? It's Jesus. Like there's nothing else. There's not a plan B. Healing this man didn't change his eternity. It changed his temporary status. But healing him didn't. It was the faith in Jesus that caused him to have eternal life. None of the works that are done changes anything in heaven. It's like Peter said, like, none of those things change anything. I just, I just simply cannot stop talking about the things I've seen and heard. If we truly long for someone in my life to discover the same value that I have in Jesus and his church, if you truly long for that friend that is not listening to a word you're saying right now, maybe I should consider pairing my words with my works and speaking less in some situations if I want to be heard. Sometimes you're going to have to speak less if you want to be heard. If we pair our words with our works, <laughs> your children, they may tune you out. In fact, mine do it every day. Uh, your neighbor, they may tune you out. Your coworker, he or she may tune you out. But the work you do, might just echo the words you say despite their best effort to be disagreeable. Do you hear that? It's like the work you do could be an echo for the words you say, even though they want to stick their fingers in their ear. That sounds so funny when I do that. So that they can disagree and argue and don't want to hear because they don't want conflict, they want to avoid being All those reasons that we avoid people that disagree with us. Like it was for Peter, it's like we hate your words. <laughs> like I, I despise what you're saying to me right now. But what you're doing just continues to echo that message. Even though I want to hate it so much, they're like, Peter, what you're saying is stupid to us. But we can't deny. That man standing at your side. The works that have been done through your life are just echoing your message of the power of Jesus. Even though we're trying so hard to hate you, we can't deny this man that's standing with you right now. So here's the deal. If you're a first generation follower of Jesus, some of you are right? And that's what I love about this church. Some of you are like six months, two years, um, st- still in transition, first generation follower of Jesus. You don't believe because your parents taught you to believe. You believe because it's possible for minds and hearts to change, right? Right? You disagreed with the gospel. You disagreed with your friends. You stuck your fingers in your ear and you didn't want to hear it. But now you're a first generation follower of Jesus and you know that minds can change. So here's my encouragement. Be patient with the people in your life that you long to understand that value that you've received. Somebody was patient with you. So now, because you know that somebody was patient with you and you know how your shift happened, okay, like, I want my friend to understand this. Man, I long for it. I pray for it. And because I, my process is so fresh in my mind, I can be patient with him. Like, I long for it bad, but, but I know how this goes. Minds can change. I'll be patient. I'll pray. I'll wait. I'll pair my words with my works. And maybe what I'm doing in his life will echo what I'm saying in his life, even though he's doesn't want to hear it. We're just going to trust the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. If you're a product of being raised in the faith, which some of you are. Remember I said at the beginning of this that... What did I say? (laughs) Oh. That you're here because you either chose to be or somebody in your family chose to consider something that they disagreed with. And it, it may be your grandfather that opened himself up to the message of Jesus. And, and your grandfather choosing to follow Jesus has now had a multi-generational impact and you're a part of the church because your parents were taught by your grandfather and what your parents were taught, they passed on to you and now you are evidence of a multi-generational impact that one person can have. If that's you and, and your heart longs for those in your life to understand the value of Jesus and his church and you feel like no one's listening, don't underestimate one person listening. Okay? Like, I long for these people to get what Jesus offers, but they won't listen. Well, I do have this one person that seems to be open to, to maybe, maybe, but it's just one. Those of you that are raised in the faith, you had one somewhere in your genealogy that chose to consider Jesus, though they disagreed with it, and that one has had a multi-generational effect in your, in your life. Don't underestimate the potential of one person listening when you feel like no one is listening. Okay? Uh, this morning, after we sing another song here in just a second, or maybe sing the same song again now that we know it, okay? however that goes, uh, Justice is going to be declaring his faith publicly by being baptized. Um, it's another, another generation Another life surrendered to Jesus. Um, my son, like, I've come to understand this in a a different light than I guess I once did, especially when you become a dad and you see your kids begin to kind of accept their faith in Jesus and continue to work it out and... Um, Right now, justice is the product of a multi-generational faith that has been passed down generation after generation. I don't, know, I don't know where it started in our families, right? I could go back and talk to my parents about that and see if we could figure that out. But somebody back in our, they said yes to Jesus. They considered something they disagreed with and come to find out it was true. <laughs> and they changed and they followed him. And, and now here we are with justice Um, Another one of my children who's saying, I'm in too. I'm in too. You understand that when your children are coming to faith and saying yes to Jesus, declaring it through baptism, you understand that that faith is so simple. (laughs) They're just like, Dad told me this, and Dad's right, so I'm with Jesus because I'm with Dad. And you get that. And you understand that over the next 10 years, they're going to wrestle with their faith. I get that too there's going to be a transition where it was kind of handed to him through this multi-generational lens. And then there's going to be a transition through possibly his teens, maybe even into his 20s. And at some point, it's going to become justice's faith alone. Right? It's like it's going to go from a family faith to you can't change justice's mind no matter who you are. There's going to be that process in his life. There was that process in my life, right? It's just the journey of faith, because he's my son, it increases his odds and his, his exposure to the things of Jesus. Um, but he's going he's gonna to go through the same journey that, that Dave's gone through, same journey that Chad's gone through, same journey that Andrew's gone. I mean, it, it, it all looks different. But this is the beginning of his journey. He's like, I'm in. I'm in. There's no other name under heaven by which I must be saved. The only name is Jesus. He's the only one. Uh, So I want to be baptized to declare that I, as Jesus was dead and buried and raised to life, that I too am laying down my life so that I may be raised by the Holy Spirit to the power of new life that I'm going to live for Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's what he's doing. Does that mean that it's going to be clean and easy? No, 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 no. (laughs) It's going to be messy. This is just part of the journey. This is part of the This is day one, taking first steps. Um, For him, it's a multi-generational legacy. For some of you, you're the first generation. No matter what it is, it begins with somebody considering something they disagree with. Some of you are going to leave an impact in this world that may never end. It may come through your best friend. It may come through your neighbor. It may come through your children. And you may feel like right now that the people that you long to understand just don't want to hear you out. What do you do? You want to talk more? You can, but they're probably going to tune you out more. We might consider pairing our words with our works so that when they despise what you're saying, they can't deny what you're doing. And what you're doing will echo what you're saying through their mind. (laughs) Possibly long after you're gone from their life. And when you think, well, just one person... One person turns into multiple generations. Don't underestimate what God's doing in your life, through your life right now. Don't underestimate how long it may take. If you're a first-generation believer, you understand how long it may take. And you can be patient with your friends, with your family. Because just like we said last week, people actually do change by the name of Jesus. So we can trust him, trust his process. Mm-hmm. Propaganda. Isn't it interesting to think that those you care for the most may actually hear you as spreading propaganda? You're like, no. It's so good. You may have to pair works with words for them to believe you. Or at least to give you the time of day. Okay? There's no other name. There's only one. His name's Jesus. We're going to, Shelly's going to go get the kids so we can bring them in. Uh, You guys are going to lead us in a time of worship. So let me pray for us and we'll do those things. And uh, we'll do baptism right here Um, in just a moment. Father, we thank you. We pray for those in our lives that we just, we hurt for. It's like we understand what Jesus has done. We understand salvation and how he has taken away sins, cleansed us, made us new. We are new creations in Christ. And and we understand what that new life brings in the community of the church and the encouragement of the church and how how, how we're, we're, we're a family that's communing around the person of Jesus. And it's incredible to see what that can do when we're all together, Father. And then we look outside and we go and we see those people that, that they just look and we think we're spreading some propaganda, Father. And it's not. It's not. Father, I pray that you give us an understanding of what to do next. We're not going out and trying to to knock on doors and try to convince people into something, we're we're, we're engaging with the people in our lives that you have placed in our lives and we deeply care for them Father, I pray that you would number one, open ears that can't hear, that don't understand minds that can't understand as you've done for me, as you've done for everyone in in this faith family, Father, do the same for those that we love so much but, Father, also give us a pattern of of words and works so that what we're doing may echo what we're saying. And no matter how much they hate the message of Jesus right now, they will look at our lives and say, I don't like what you're saying, but I can't deny what the fruit of your life. I can't deny the what, what you're doing and, and, and the power that is being displayed through your works. And, Father, may our works echo our words so that you can have the opportunity to draw men to yourself. You don't need us to do that, but you're going to use us to do that. And I pray that you just give us wisdom. Give us patience. Give us endurance. Give us compassion. Give us a heart for those that are in our life, Father. I thank you for this family of people that are committed to to see each other grow up, just like we do with our children. Man, we're just going to live our life together until we all grow up into the head, which is Jesus, until so we all look like our Father. Thank you for that, Father. I thank you for my son, who's called upon the name of Jesus to be the only one on this world that can save him. He, he knows that to be true. But I know there's a journey ahead of him that's going to have ups and downs. It's going to need instruction and correction. Uh, so this is just day one, Father. And we thank you for day one. got to pray for any... And in, the, in here, Father, that uh, they're they're approaching day one. They they considering Jesus. Maybe considered him for the first. They're open to something that they've actually disagreed with for their whole life. But just kind of teetering on taking the first step. Give 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 those courage, Father. Courage to declare publicly what you're doing inside of them, that they too may walk through baptism. Not because the pastor said so, because Jesus is he's commanded it, and he even did it as an example for us. So may we follow follow in the steps of your son Jesus and be obedient to these things. Uh, Give courage and faith for any who would take those steps in the near future in Jesus' name.